This is a 38 Weeks to Go podcast, and I am your host, Nash. How crazy was Game Week 3? How do your teams do? Goodness, those were a good round of games. They were all so competitive. But if I had to start, I'd start from the last game. Liverpool versus Newcastle. I won't lie, once I went down to 10 men, I was sure it was done. Done, done, done. But then Nunez came on and changed everything. I don't even know what to say. That is a painful loss if you're a Newcastle fan. If you're a Liverpool fan, on the other hand, what an amazing victory. What an amazing comeback. What grit. Ten men? Wow. From a fantasy perspective, I was just so happy that very few people will have Nunez. And also, I was very happy not to have started with Trippier. And then also, still very happy that I lost my faith in the Liverpool defence. How is Trent the most expensive defender? It's a tough sell, right? Man City, they looked so lost. Without Pep, I... <laughs> Who would have thought that playing without a manager would impact your team that heavily? It looked like they had no guidance. They really struggled. I was surprised when I saw Foden and Akanji were not playing. It later turned out that Foden and Akanji were both unwell to different degrees. So maybe we cut them some slack. Sheffield gave a good account of themselves. When they clawed it back to 1-1, I wasn't sure City had it in them. And then, as champions do, they just found it in them. <laughs> Manchester United versus Nottingham Forest. That was a game. Awoniyi. Seven games in a row now he has scored. It's getting hard to bet against this guy now. They scored two quick ones. And it was quite a game after that. Manu did really well to come back. Although it wasn't as impressive as the Liverpool comeback. It was impressive that they could come back. Ten Hag seemed to have changed his tactics. No more Ganacho. Martial up through the centre, Rashford back to the wing, and that changed things. They looked like they could move forward, like they could pose a threat. Mason Mount was missing. Aren't they so lucky? Arsenal versus Fulham was also quite an interesting game. 2-2 was the final score. Joao Paulinha really impressed in the midfield. I was very pissed off when I saw Gabriel didn't start. I removed him that minute. Saka and Ketia scored. Andres and Palinia scored. It was a good game. I honestly didn't know where it was going to go. I mean, at the end, Adama had that really good chance. And Fulham are not looking as fragile as they did. They played well. They gave a really good account of themselves. Spurs won 2-0. And that was one of the only clean sheets of the weekend. The other clean sheet came from the match between Wolves and Everton, 1-0 to Wolves. That game was quite interesting as well, for different reasons. Everton just don't seem to be able to find the goal. They do not seem to have any luck. They have the luck of a relegation-bound team. Nothing is going well. Nothing goes their way. Jose Sa had an amazing game. It was just quite hard to see. The other game worth mentioning is the Brighton-West Ham game. This game, if you just look at the stats, you wouldn't believe that West Ham won the game. 
But if you watch the game, it just goes to show football can be won in so many different ways. Brighton were the dominant team. They played really well, but they seemed to not be able to score. In the final third of, of the pitch, they couldn't quite get things together. Welbeck was playing behind Ferguson, and it just didn't seem like they could link up well. Welbeck's poor passing, in my opinion, was really exposed. He didn't really connect the game as well as an inciso would have. We have been quick to really praise Brighton for being able to replace everybody. But in this game, their lack of depth really showed to me. And also, their lack of experience. West Ham, on the other hand, that was maybe one of the finest displays of counter-attacking football. They just soaked up the pressure, soaked up the pressure, counter, down. They just kept knocking them down. It felt like with every attack, they would score. If that game had ended 6-1, I wouldn't have been surprised. They were so efficient, so strong, so focused, so disciplined. West Ham seemed to be having the kind of luck that they didn't have last season. Things seem to be going how they are supposed to go. These are still early days. But it really shows that West Ham did the right thing in sticking with Moyes. He was just unlucky. I hope other teams learn from watching West Ham this season. And by that I mean firing your manager quickly doesn't always solve the situation. I say this mainly because I really feel bad that Leeds let Bielsa go. I think they should have gone down with him, if that was the plan, and come back up with him. He deserved that much. And he understood them in a way that nobody has. And now they've gone back down. They should really just get him back in there. When it comes to the top performers of the weekend, in goal, we have Jose Sa from Wolves. He kept a clean sheet. He was amazing. He got 11 points. Vicario from Tottenham also kept a clean sheet. He got seven points. Sanchez got six points. He kept a clean sheet for Chelsea. Chelsea won 3-0. When it comes to defenders, the most outstanding performance of the weekend came from none other than Matty Cash with 17 big points. At 4.5, will you guys be bringing him in? Second was Gusto from Chelsea. He had two assists and he looked good. He got 14 points. In third place was Udoji Orudogi from Tottenham. He got 12 points. This week, the defenders really carried people. In fourth place was Anderson with 11 points. When talking about the top midfield performers, look no further than Chelsea's Raheem Sterling. He had 19 points. He was the highest performer of the week. The person who got the highest points this week had triple captain Sterling. That was a good decision. Number two was Aston Villa's Diaby. He had 12 points. Number three was Bruno. A little overdue for many, I'm sure. For those who stuck with him, well done. Number four was Bowen with 12 points tied with Bruno Fernandes and Diaby. Number five was Pascal Gross from Brighton. He had 10. When it comes to strikers, Darwin Nunez was a top performer with 11 points. 
Foster from Burnley had seven, Nicholas Jackson had seven, Antonio seven, and Awoniyi six. The striking position didn't really have many returns this time round. Let me just say, I'm very happy that Nicholas Jackson finally got off the, the mark. The biggest performer was Sterling. Given how he played last weekend, I saw that a lot of people gained confidence in his ability to perform, and those who got him in, well done to you. That was a very good call. In our group, Team Hans Gruber, managed by Bonaji, had him, and it really propelled him to 57 points. And he was the only one in the top five who had him. I'm pretty sure next week a lot of people will be having Sterling, especially considering the run of fixtures coming. The biggest lessons of the week so far are Saka will take penalties, so it seems like there'll be a rotation going on between him and Odegaard, or maybe somebody else as well, Jorginho maybe. Another lesson is Sterling is good, and he seems to be catching form at the right time, especially considering their fixtures. Malo Gusto is also good. He may get opportunity to perform again, especially given the fixtures. And Nicholas Jackson as well. If you have Gabriel, at this point it's clear that Arteta, for whatever reason, will not play him. So move off him. Move off him. For those who found out late, Luke Shaw is injured. Please move off him. Crystal Palace have signed a new keeper. So... If you have Johnston, be careful. João Pedro didn't start again. And it seems like he will be the kind of forward who will be on the rotation. So either bench him or get him out. Get one of those guys like Semenyo or Archa or somebody from Burnley like Foster. Somebody who will play. Madison performs again. He might be worth looking into if you don't already have him. For me, it's currently now between... Him and Sterling. Liverpool and Manchester United are still unconvincing at the back. I would not advise you to invest in them further. Looking at the 38 weeks to go league table. At number one, for the third week in a row, it's Alex Mutune, manager of Don't Bottle It this year, with 190 points. At number two, is why are you running? What if I don't run? Anyway. Leon, Leon Mortier, with 189 is number two. El Capitan, led by Dennis Gaviga, is number three, with 183. Number four is Mato FC, with 181. Number five is Hans Gruber, led by Bonaji, with 180. So from number one to five, it's ten points. And number one to two is just a point. So it's getting quite tricky up there at the top. The team with the highest points tally this week was none other than Team BV, my team, with 64 points. Number two was Peter Dennis with 63 and Mato FC with 63. Close by at number four was El Capitan with 62. Well done. At the bottom... Early season relegation favourites are Enter the WU, Washira Gitai, with 107. Team Kubwa, 
at number 17 with 131, and Peter Dennis with 142. So far, they're anchoring the bottom. The average points was 44 points. So if you got 44 or above, well done. You are above average. If you didn't, don't worry. Just take it one week at a time. There's another chance next week to do better. Looking at my team, I got 64 points. And I won't lie, I was really carried by Anderson. Anderson only played by luck. He only played because Gabriel didn't play. I am so happy that Gabriel didn't play. However, I'm so pissed that Gabriel didn't play. So much so that he was the first decision to get out of my team this week. But more on that a little later. The top performer of my team was Udoji from Spurs. I brought him in to replace John Stones. And that was a really good decision. Initially, that was going to be my only decision. But towards the end of the clock, I just decided to get rid of Alisson. I just was done with Man City. I mean, sorry, with Liverpool. And so I just got him out of my team. And then I brought on Ederson because I figured that's the only Man City defender who will start. Well, he did start, but he got me too, so... Mm. Maybe it wasn't worth the transfer of this week. My poorest performers were the Brighton duo of Mitoma and Estupinian. Having watched that game, it was... <laughs> I don't even know. Counter-attacking at its finest. I intend to keep both of those players for the long haul, so I'm not really looking to move them until either one of them gets injured. Mbumo and Edison were the second worst pair, with two points each. And with those, I'm also not really looking forward to moving them quickly. However, if Madison continues playing as he is, I am going to make a change. In midfield, my other players were Saka and Rashford, who started for me, both of them. I had said last week that I was going to remove either Rashford and Nicholas Jackson, or both of them, depending on how they performed. They both performed well. Jackson finally scored. And I like him for the next games coming up, so he will stay for the next few games. Ten Hag finally listened, and he moved Rashford back to the wing. And immediately he was rewarded with two assists. As long as Rashford is back on the wing, I have every confidence in him to perform well so he will be remaining in my team. Up top, I have Haaland, Nicholas Jackson, and Nketiah. I was really bummed when Nketiah didn't start, but then really happy when he came on and he scored. I really don't know what Ateta is doing. He seems to be making all these pep-like decisions, but he doesn't have a pep-like squad. It should be clear to him who his strongest players are now, and he shouldn't be fidgeting. Although having said that, there is Europe to consider. So maybe he's trying to find a balance or maybe a rotation of sorts that can work where he can challenge on multiple fronts. Though there are reports that Saudi came in calling for Gabriel and maybe that's what is really the thing driving his benching of him. Haaland scored, but he missed a penalty. And the thing is, when I was watching that game, I really thought he was going to miss that penalty. Thankfully, he scored. Otherwise, he would have had minus two. <laughs> that would have been funny. I am happy with my team and its performance. 
I feel like I've reached a squad that is sort of stable. I put Trippier on the bench. I had no faith in Newcastle keeping a clean sheet. And I removed Alisson for that very reason. I have no faith in Liverpool's defence. I can't see them not conceding. Next week, I'm going to move off my subkeeper, Steele, from Brighton because it seems like there's a rotation happening between, I think it's called Verbrugge and Steele, and I'm not about that. So I will be bringing on Ariola from West Ham. I have already removed Gabriel from my team. I'm done with him. I've brought on Malogusto, and he will be in my team until Rhys James comes back. I had Eze in my midfield. I believe in Eze. I think he's a good pickup. But Sterling and Madison are really performing really well, and they look threatening. I looked at the fixtures and went with Sterling because the fixtures look easier. If Rashford hadn't performed, I would have probably brought on both Sterling and Madison. So I've already made two transfers this week. I've lost four points and I'm looking to make a push to catch up with Tune and Leon. So you guys better watch out. I'm coming. I'm low-key starting to lose faith in Haaland. If... If Pep is not going to be at the sideline of the next game, I think I'm going to have to change my captain. For those who feel like they're stuck making their teams, please look at the teams that I put out. There's the high percentage team, there's the AI team, there's a scout team, and also something which I liked to do in the past from time to time was look at number one in the world and just see what is he thinking. What is he seeing that I am not seeing? And I'll try to ape his team, see the logic, look at past performance, and that can help. Just to see how different people think about how to approach this. The thing is also to be spread out a bit. Don't play too much with heart. Tune said last week, don't go for the obvious, obvious people. Try to go down the road less traveled. Choose people who you sort of see something. Like, for example, Sterling last week, only 2.3% people had him. He returned 19 points. Udoji returned 12. Anderson returned 11. There is potential in people who are not as popular as the Hallands and the Sakas. Look at Aston Villa's Matty Cash. He had 17 points. If you watch Aston Villa play, their wing-backs are dangerous. So look at the left-back, look at Dean. These will not be their last goals or contributions to winning. Also, believe in form. When you hear somebody like Awoniyi has scored six goals in the last six games, believe it. Believe the form that you are seeing, especially in the underpriced players. Another tip, which has been repeated before, is look at the fixtures. Which teams look like they have a higher chance to score? I looked at a couple of teams, and a lot of people correctly predicted that Liverpool and Newcastle would not be a goalless draw. So I saw that a lot of people moved their Newcastle and Liverpool defenders to the bench. That was a good tactical decision. I will tell you now. Something that I'm thinking about strongly is moving to a 3-5-2 formation. 
I strongly believe in Holland, and then maybe Nicholas Jackson and the rest, maybe Alvarez. But after that, I have stronger faith in the midfield and defense. Well, not defense, but midfield. And so I want to place my eggs in the midfield. Yeah, those are just the tips I can think of right now. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Write an email, inbox, in the Instagram DMs, however you can get a hold of us. Looking forward to next week, game week four. The matchups are quite interesting. On Friday, we have an early kickoff. So make your teams on Friday. Make your teams on Friday. Do not forget. That is also another rule that you should keep up with, knowing when the matches will be played. West Ham play Luton. Luton have two Friday games now in a row. West Ham are so impressive, I can't bet against them. Antonio, Jared Bowen, James Wood-Prowse. If you have those three, or one of those three, those are good bets. Ariola, another solid bet. I won't lie, Luton so far just look like they don't have enough. But also, these teams can surprise you, so I, I haven't written them off yet. Moving to the next fixture, Everton versus Sheffield. Everton seem to be so unlucky right now. They just do not seem like they can score. They played really well against Fulham, against Wolves. They just didn't finish. They have nothing to show for their game so far. They really need a victory. They really need this victory. So I'd be thinking that they would have what it takes. That doesn't mean Sheffield will make it easy for them. Sheffield just gave the champions a run for their money. They really had to play for 90 minutes. So I expect it to be competitive. I don't know how to choose a player from those teams. I don't. I won't have any players from those teams. When it comes to Brentford and Bournemouth, I think this will be an open game. And I believe that there will be goals in this game. Maybe 1-1, 2-2. I'm hoping for Mbomo because I have him. But I wouldn't be surprised if that Semanya guy scores. Or Billing or Solanke. And of course, Wiesa on the other side. Shada scored his first goal. It was quite beautiful. So who knows what's going to come from Brentford. When it comes to Burnley versus Spurs, I firmly believe that Spurs are the favourites in this game. They have started well. Expect that run to continue. I don't think it will be a clean sheet because I feel like Burnley have been able to score against everybody. Well, except City, of course. But they had their chances. Burnley attack and they create. They will be dangerous. I still, however, expect the Spurs to come out on top. Chelsea versus Nottingham Forest. Chelsea are not solid at the back. So, Awoni, this might be a game where he scores again. Gibbs-White might be helpful in the midfield for them as well. As for Chelsea, I'm all in now. I have Gusto, I have Sterling, and I have Nicholas Jackson. So, I am expecting them to just win the game. I hope it will be entertaining and I hope those three are involved in every goal that is scored. When it comes to Man City versus Fulham, that's a tough one. Man City without Pep are quite interesting to watch. I thought they would demolish Sheffield but they didn't and they couldn't. Haaland, Alvarez and a defender, that's what I would say. On the Fulham end, Andres Pereira has seemed to be good value for money. Joao Palinha is also really good. I think that's where Fulham's danger will come from. The midfield. Marco Silva loves to attack. 
I don't think he'll be able to adjust that for City. And so I feel like it may be more open than the Sheffield game was. Meaning that Man City should have more chances to score. I haven't decided whether Haaland will be my captain, but it's leaning there. When it comes to Brighton-Newcastle, I have no idea how to call this game. These are very good teams, both of them. They have been exposed recently, very recently, as you will remember. And so both teams will be looking to make a comeback. This is a kind of game which could be either 1-0 or could be a very high-scoring, entertaining, open-flowing game. Given who the managers are, and the style of football these teams prefer to play. These two teams also fall into the same bracket of hype. Everyone's really excited about them. Everybody loves the football that they play. They both have very exciting players and very interesting styles of football. So who will come out on top? I don't know. When it comes to Crystal Palace versus Wolves, that should be a tough game as well. Wolves really relied on Jose Sa. They do have potential to cause a lot of trouble like they showed against Manu. And they won then their last game, so maybe this is a, the kind of kick they needed. Crystal Palace have yet to really launch. But having watched their game against Arsenal, it should be quite interesting. They will create. They will cause trouble. As it was unlucky, he has been unlucky, and I feel like he's turn is coming. They struggled without Olise and I'm hoping that they have more people back from injury and I think that should help them be more competitive. If not, I think they will struggle. Liverpool versus Aston Villa. Wow. Goals. Goals. Both of these teams don't defend well. They attack well and they can score from anywhere. They have multiple goal threats. So... I think there will be many goals in this game. Liverpool will definitely concede. <laughs> well, I'm just hating. But they're very likely to concede. Especially without Van Dijk. That red card might cost them. I mean, maybe if they just start with 10 men, they'll be fine. <laughs> Who knows? And the last game on Sunday will be Arsenal versus Manchester United. In their recent encounters, it seems that the home team has the advantage. Arsenal home so given the recent history it may be Arsenal's game to lose this game has had many good goals in the past Anthony's goal was really good the last time they played that I remember in the more recent fixture Nketiah scored two Rashford scored one Saka scored again these players are all in my team so if this score just replicates itself I'll be very happy Although that means I wouldn't have to play with 3-5-2. That would be tricky. Anyway, I'll figure it out. So, who will you be playing with? What is your team looking like? What are your thoughts about game week 4? Who will you be bringing in? Who will you be taking out? Will you be using your wildcard? Or any of the chips, as they call them? Let me know. Please remember... The game week starts on Friday, so there's no harm in getting your team done and out of the way as soon as you can. I have been your host, Nash. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Have a great week, guys. Stay safe. 
and good luck this coming game week. I will be interacting on social media accounts, so feel free to interact with me there. Bye-bye.